Chevy. On your marks, on your marks, get steady. Taking my time, it feels just like pity. Speaking my mind, it feels feel it on the levy. On the weekly court, this beats easy. Andrew connected the dots, and that's crazy. Show side, do flam dunks, so come and see me. City bread, you know that never be me. Take another look like VAR. You can listen to the Jedi, you see AR. The content must go far. You can live on the deep, cause you raise the bar. The show side's hard. Twitter, YouTube, don't get barred. Showside Podcast. New music again this week. Shout <laughs> to Lero on that. Episode 115. Yes, yes, yes. And Yo's back this week. Yo's back. We're going back with the Yo's. It's time. It's time. Lero, how you doing, my brother? I'm good, bro. You? All good this end, anyway. Yeah, good, man. Good, man. We, yeah. I'm good now. I wasn't good at half time. Yeah. Obviously, we just played Leicester in a very, very strange game. Uh yeah, we won six two. We all know that. Um, but at halftime, you and I were in our fields. We were in our fields for real. <laughs> um, it was it wasn't going too great. But let's let's talk about the lineup because on last week's pod, we're going to go back to last week's pod. I feel quite a bit this week. Yeah. Um, some vindication and validation there. Um, but yeah, last week we we called for change. We called for rotation. We called for um, Son to be rested. We called for maybe a change in midfield. We called for uh, a change at right wing back as well. Two of those things were done um, in the lineup. So not not a complete shock that Perisic switched over um, to right wing back and Sessegnon was brought in. Um, although we've got other options at right wing back. So we started with obviously Lloris and goal, uh, right wing back of Perisic, uh, centre half. So change there at Davison Sanchez came in for Romero, uh, Dyer, Longley came in for Davies. They seem to just be rotating in and out one and one. And then Sessignon came in on the left. Usual midfield two. And then we had Klozeski in for Son. So Kind of what we expected. How did you feel about that going into it, bro? Um, I was definitely happy with the uh, Kazeski in for um, Son. Definitely thought that was needed. Um, we've been speaking about that for a while. Um, yeah, I was even happy with the change with the right and the left back, even though I wanted to see a, a Spence or a Doherty. But... Um, I guess he has his reasons, but I was definitely happy with that. Um, yeah, I think the changes that were made, I was just happy there was change and that we was trying to do something different. Yeah, yeah. And one of those changes, Davison Sanchez, who had always comes under stick. I mean, he, I don't even think it's fair to say he divides opinion because it's not like he's even 50-50. I do think like it's about 70 to 80% negative 
negativity towards Davison Sanchez anytime he's in the lineup. And I feel like he overcompensates and over tries. And, and maybe he isn't good enough, but I do feel like there is some there are some attributes there that um lean towards a Premier League centre back. And I think other sides definitely have worse centre backs than Davison Sanchez. But sometimes where he over tries he can look like Bambi on ice. And I think that's kind of what happened for the their first goal. Yeah. Um he was at full um, in the lead up to the goal, recognised that he'd made a mistake and then tried to win the ball back in not such a dangerous area and then gave away a penalty. Um, how did you see that unfold? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, as you said, he, he was at fault in the build-up, but he wasn't the only person at fault in the build-up, do you know? Well, I was going to come on to that. I was going to come on to that because he will get the st- lion's share of the stick, and he should do, but... Um, it's interesting because we talk about our wing-backs, we talk about Perisic, and Perisic was shifted to right wing-back to the left wing-back. And there's a reason why I don't think we didn't see Doherty. I think there were a couple of reasons. I think Doherty, Conte touched on at the end of the game, um, was... Has him and Skip have recovered from long-term injuries and mentioned that he would need to, and he basically named the bench that he would need to, we would need to start using them after an international break, especially where we've got like 12 games in the month of October. So he's recognised that, but then he touched on the fact that Doherty and Skip had injuries. So maybe that's the reason he's not rotating him in and feels like Spence isn't ready to play the right wing-back role in this system just yet. So he, he switched over Perisic to give Royale rest. But in addition to doing that, I think it's very key to understand that with Son not on the field, our only other, really, our only other set-piece taker that they're comfortable with is Perisic. Yeah, yeah. And and he's delivered three assists. So you don't want to take him out, especially when we're so reliant these days on set pieces and, and, and the reliance on set pieces, I say reliance on set piece, set piece is a weapon for us. So you want your set piece taker in there if you can, but defensively, he is the opposite to Royale. So what Royale gives us defensively, Perisic gives us an attack and vice versa. And, And it was more of a, him being on the right-hand side. And it wasn't the first time he's gone diving in. He did it against Marcus Edwards in that Maisie run. And he's also gave away a couple of sloppy passes that could have put Leicester in. Well, they put them in, but they didn't punish us. So he is also at fault, but he gives us more going forward. So we kind of overlook some of his mistakes. And I don't think he's quite at the level where he probably would put himself in contact with really put him. Yeah, no, no, I I agree. I, I, I mean... I think to myself personally, yes, we've got to allow for mistakes. Everything can't be so uh, critical. We can't kind of critique everything. And you know what? If he's going to give us something going forward, okay, we're going to lose something on the back end. Then you know what? I think we've got enough uh, talent, enough uh, skill sets to kind of deal with that. And I think for me, um, I'm not so Davidson Sanchez is rubbish or, you know, I think he's got money in the bank and I think a lot of people forget that he's got money in the bank and no, he's not like Harry Kane money in the bank, but I think, you know, you take this guy out, you know, no arguments, you put him in for three games, 
he'll give you the best that he can. And he's had some good games, you know, leading up to the end of the tail end of last season when he's just been thrown in solid games where he hasn't made any mistakes or if he's made one mistake, he's made one mistake like probably every other player on the pitch. And if you kind of um, look at it like that, you wouldn't kind of always just um, jump on him. So for me, he's got a bit of money in the bank. <clears throat> he gives us a, he gives us everything he's got, and I think it's very hard for some players not to play consistently. I think he's at a very key stage in his uh, say development, and he's not playing con he's not playing consistently. And you're asking him to come in perform at a top level, okay, fine. Um, but I think we also need to kind of uh, remember that he's still got a little bit of change in the bank. Yeah, and just to add to that, it's it's not like I let's say Romero not playing consistently, take Romero out, put him in, or Longley take him out, put him in. I think when Davison plays, he knows that Romero's first choice. So he either wants to come in, make an impression, or at the very least, not make a mistake so that he can play the next game yeah. and not get the fan base on him. I think there is slightly a different disposition for him playing and starting than there is, say, for the likes of Romero, because Romero doesn't get rotated every other game. Yeah. Um, but we move forward. Um, somebody else who comes under criticism, and this one wrongly, the only, there's, there's a certain couple of reasons why you should criticise this man. His kicking is one of them, but and maybe vocal, but he is actually vocal, and maybe catching the ball sometimes more than he punches it. But for shot-stopping, Hugo Lloris cannot be faulted in the last three or four years. He has been immense and been consistent. And he saved Tielemans' penalty and um, got close to the retake, which was harsh, but I guess fair. Um, and he also pulls off a magnificent save at 3-2. That would have made it free all. Um, he probably had a little bit more time, but he made it look spectacular, but he got down well. And the game could change again at 3 all if it gets there, but we all know what happened after it was 3-2. So shout to Lloris in in that game as well. I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals and pulled off two fantastic saves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mate, I think he needs... He started this season on fire. Like, you know, um, the kind of saves he's been pulling off, he's looked solid, man. Like, And, you know, where it, it, in my head... It, <laughs> Not that he's a declining goalkeeper, for lack of a better word at the moment. He's an ageing goalkeeper. That's what no, you said it on the pod. Yeah, and I fully agree with your opinion. There. He, he has to be challenged. We have to work the progression. Yeah. And we can't just expect somebody to come in and reach the level of Lloris when Lloris actually does hit that decline button rapid. And it, and it can happen at any point. Yes. And that's the thing. At this point onwards, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. It could be an injury away. Yeah, and the way, but the way he's playing, mate, it doesn't look like it's happening. I think this is the best start to a season I've seen, Lloris. He, he just looks, he looks there. He looks fully there, fully aware. And it doesn't look like a season where he believes that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to retire at the end of this season. It's like he's got another couple of seasons in him. In his head, the way that he's set out, uh, the way that he's playing, you know, so... Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think we've given him enough credit over the last few pods. So, I'm yeah, definitely going to shout him out, man. He's been amazing so far. Definitely. If, yeah, and if he's put that drink into bed and he's and he lives clean, he looks like he lives clean, he looks healthy, he's lean, um, he looks like a sensible guy. Well, we all know he is generally a sensible guy. He potentially could go on for four or five years, right? Um, as long as the reflexes stay there. So... 
let's see, let's hope, because um, he was he was very good and instrumental in this game. Um, I mean, tactically in this game, did you see anything different um, at the start, even though we ch- made changes, or was it pretty much the same? Pretty much the same, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think we we pushed up. The, do you know what? We disconceding uh, the the areas. We're at home. We're playing the bottom team in the league. For me, you go gun ho, right? You you go out there. You start with a good energy, and you try and get yourself two or three goals ahead. You know, and I don't know what it was we was trying to do. I'm not saying that we started absolutely terribly. You know. But there was no energy there. There definitely wasn't the energy. There definitely wasn't the, the front-footedness that I would expect for Spurs to have against Leicester um, at home, you know, after a defeat. You're meant to just go for their necks. Kill, kill all, all hope. hope. Kill all hope, you know? So that's... Yeah. Yeah, you know, I fully, I fully agree. I, I, we've got to be honest. At halftime, you and I were seething. We were livid. We were livid in the fact that, for those very reasons, and playing the bottom of the table side, who still have quality. Let's not um, disregard the quality. Uh, Dakar has scored against us, even though it was at King Power. I think it was Madison's a top player. Um, Barnes is a top player. Um, who else did I look at in their side? Tillemans has been touted as somebody we should look at. Although I thought he was average in this game, probably the reason why he hasn't gone anywhere. Um, and there's always a threat in the Premier League, but we are at home. They're they're in a tough, tough spot right now, and it's def- it's defeats like this at the international break that end up getting managers sacked yeah. when they're at the bottom of the table, yeah. right? So this was always on the cards, and we should have literally hit them from minute one. We go a goal behind, which can happen. We basically um, equalise straight away. And I think as soon as we went a goal behind, we were like, what the hell? No. We corrected it. We played with some purpose. Uh, we got the second goal. Okay, let's kick on. But we didn't. No. And this is it. Concede the midfield to allow them to get possession, get confidence and get in positions to hurt us. And usually we can manage it. But every now and again, we're not going to. Another mistake. Sessegnon on the back stick getting done by I think it was Castagna so he's not even somebody who's a lot taller than him yeah. not, I don't even know if he is taller than him probably about the same height doesn't know where the ball's gone he gets the crossover Madison finishes well and Session for me in this game went back to the Session of I don't know what I'm doing Session and I, I don't think I, d- need, I deserve to be here Session mm-hmm. and again he may not have benefited from being out of the side but he, he's really, yeah, moments in the Fulham game, but I still don't think we've ever had the Session game. No, not yet. Not yet. He, he hasn't, I think, we're just waiting for him to hit that height, right? Or break that ceiling. And I think once he breaks that ceiling, you know, we're hoping that he gets it and it just clicks and he stays there, you know? And he, he puts up a definite challenge. I still don't believe he believes he's meant to be there, but I feel that he's work in progress. So I'm not... Whereas I was like last season, get him out. I'm still giving him a bit of time because I could see that there is potential there. But he's got to fulfil that soon. You know, it's not going to keep rolling on. And I'm hearing that he's still a young player because you've got players of 18 that are, are working it out. You know, 16 that are working it out. So he needs to work it out very, uh, very quickly. Yeah, he does. Um, I'm still not seeing enough, enough from him. 
in one direction or the other. No, yeah, yeah. Going yeah. forward or going backwards. We criticise Royale again. I'm def- I'm doing Kwabner's job for him, defending his mate Royale. But at least de- defensively, you feel mostly okay with Royale. Yeah. Going forward, you feel confident with Perisic. Sessegnon, I'm not sure if he's better going forward or get better going backwards. Most of the time, I just see him on the halfway line. And it was an opportunity for him to actually burst down the flank. I think it was in the second half. Yeah. And he literally passed the ball backwards five yards. Yeah. And it was like, what is the point? And the biggest groan went up in the ground. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? So you look at him and you say to yourself, right, Perisic, you know what you're going to get. You know what he's going to do. Royale, you know what he's going to do. Even though we're saying, okay, yeah, he's not great attacking and all the rest of it, but we know what he's going to do. We know he's going to try, he's going to give the ball to Kulu and try and overlap or he's going to defend well. But at least we know what he's going to do. Every time Cesc gets the ball... You're not sure what he's going to do. And I don't think that's a good thing. It's not like a, a Mane gets the ball. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what he's going to do with it, but then it ends up... Create something. Yeah. You just don't know what he's going to do. I think in your heart of hearts, you're like, he's going to mess this up. But, or he's not going to do the right thing. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And I think that's the problem. And this is why I'm saying, break through that ceiling. Uh, you know, you're saying, you know, last week you were talking about football and Spurs playing a repetition way and animated... And for me, he's played enough football to have seen these things unfold and away from the team's animation, know what a left wing-back does, animate. Do you get what I mean? So automation, automation. Sorry. I, you mean? I, I, yeah. I don't mean cartoon. I mean, <laughs> I mean automatic, yeah. So, um, yeah, he should be able to do what he does on the left, uh, left wing-back side. He's... It should just be automatic to him. You know, these things, he's done this before. I'll control, uh, an attacker's on me there. I'm going to break it to the right, pass it inside. I'm going to get the one-two. He's seen this picture about seven, eight, 8,000 times. Like, you know, why are you not, why is it not natural to you? You get what I mean? Is it because you're in your own head? And that's the, the way I look at him. I feel like he's a player that's definitely in his own head. And that's the thing that's stopping him moving on. Yeah, and just to compound that, right, let's replace Sessegnon in that position in that moment and put in Ben Davies. Yeah. Ask yourself what Ben Davies would have done in that moment. He drives forward with the ball. He will get caught, he will get stopped, and he will check back and play it back inside and probably lose the ball. However, in that moment, he drives into that space. You know what he's going to do. Yeah. yeah, and that's because and he's seen it before. He's done it before. He's tried and tested. He's watched other players do that. He knows that's what's uh, what you're meant to do. So automatically, he's he's shaped up for it. So I just yeah, I just start understand why Sis doesn't shape up and be ready for those moves because they're the natural thing to do. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So I think part of our issues in the first half were the fact that. Rodrigo Bentecourt wasn't his at his best. And you and I, we discussed this and we touched on Bentecourt. And I think we, we believe in Bentecourt a lot in the sense that he's very cultured. He is a Rolls-Royce. He can drive with the ball. We've seen it. He can pass the ball. We can see it. He can break up play. We can see it. He can pass left or right, short or long. And of late, he's had games where, or certainly periods where he looks like that player. And then there are games where he, he disappears and it was feeling like it was that type of day for him. 
And then in the second half, there was a moment where he grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and robbed Ndidi and tucked in a sublime finish off, in off the post. Always look better when they go in off the post. Yeah. Um, from the angle, the near side, when he could look on far side. How do you think his game unfolded? Because his, there's some stats that um, are very impressive. And you and I both questioned them when they were presented to us. But let, let me read out the stats and then I'll let you say how you feel his game unfolded. So he had a 91% pass accuracy. He won four ground duels, four interceptions, three tackles, one, two key passes, one assist, one goal. Assisting a goal from midfielder in any game tends to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this must have all happened majority in the second half. Like, um, And I think this is a, a prime example of the stats don't actually tell you the true story or what the eye sees, right? Because where were these... Uh, he might have had three key passes. Oh, no, three passes in the first half. And yeah, he might have got them to uh, the person he was passing to, the recipient. But were they important passes? Did they do much? Were they just one-twos? And then, obviously, then in the second half, he definitely kicked on. And for me, I don't know. I look at him and I think to myself... It's definitely another mental thing with him. Um, I don't know if he believes he's the man yet. He should believe he's the man because he's got everything. He's got everything that you need. I think that Norwich game at the end of the season, he went out there and you could see he decided that he was going to be the best player that day. And he mm. just run the show. He was in places that he shouldn't even have been in the first 10 minutes. And I'm like, rah, like, this guy's bad. You know what I mean? And I, I think sometimes he goes out there and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be a part of the team today. And when he switches it on and he puts it in and he's, you know, he wants to be the man, I'm not saying, oh, you know, you can't let Hoybeer do his thing. But regardless of what Hoybeer is doing, I just want him to always want to be the man. Like, and I think when he shows that he's going to be the man, mate, magic. Like, he's, he's slightly frustrating because he is class, man. Like, I think he's really class. Yeah, I think he has the potential to be a top, top um, Premier League midfielder because he has all the attributes. He's six foot two, he can win headers, he's strong in a challenge, in addition to everything else he's got that catches the eye. Um, I do think the dynamic between him and Hoybjerg is, I'm not going to say weird or strange. Obviously, they get outnumbered in midfield, that's not their fault. Um, but Hoybjerg seems the more combative one, although Rodrigo. It's no um, slash in the tackle. Yeah. Um, he's obviously better on the ball than Hoybier. However, Hoybier can play some key assists and key passes and tends to be further advanced at times and more Bentecourt sits in front. Um, and I don't know whether it should be more the other way with Hoybier sitting more and I don't know whether it's just the two the way they mesh together and if that's the balance or maybe it's not that and I just see those moments but I do f agree with you I do feel like Bentecourt just needs to be on the ball more and just take ownership and be the leader and just say listen boys this is what we're doing this is the tempo this is the range this is what we're doing today you said the key thing he needs to be on the ball more I feel that our midfield need to have the ball more right so when Basuma <laughs> came in there and it freed him up like I feel that is the kind of system that we need because he can be on the ball more and he's not worrying about uh, defending as much because there's another key man in there that's strong at, uh, at that. So for me, as soon as he had more time on the ball, 
you're seeing what happens. Do you get what I mean? So for me, it's about being on the ball more and that our system allows him to be on the ball more. Because most of the time, they're chasing shadows and they're breaking up things and they, they are trying to win it in there. But we're not dominating in midfield. There's not a midfield that we've actually dominated. We This whole, uh, we play the 3-4-3, uh, the three, three, uh, three, most of the time, it's, it's a five. Let's just be honest with ourselves. It's a fire. Yeah, yeah, because we end up defending so a lot of time. So I hear you. So, you, I mean, you touched on the point that I was building to, the two points I was building to, and, and this is the next significant point because when Basuma came in, he took off Klaseski. He didn't replace Basuma with or replace one of the others with Basuma and the others being Hoibio or Bentecourt. So by playing, by doing that, he ended up, meaning that we played a free in midfield for the first time, I believe, this season. And it's something we touched on in the last pod and probably previous pods as well. Yep. So, as you said, Basuma sat in the pivot and allowed um, Bentoko and Hoibia to play more advanced of him. And again, I think that dynamic could dovetail between all three of them. Yep. But this is what happened on Saturday. And Conte touched on it. Um, was asked the question and touched on it in his pre-match or post-match press conference. And you saw Hoybier driving forward and getting assist. Um, you saw Bentecourt being everywhere, winning the ball back as well. And it allowed us to dominate the middle of the park, to dominate what was a five-man midfield for Leicester, to actually be free in possession and comfortable. We ended up going two up top because Son had replaced um, Richarlison and it was Kane and Son it allowed Son to be closer to Kane because we had the three in the midfield and the wing backs were still on the pitch so how happy were you to see the change of shape <laughs> come on come on you, uh, you, I've been saying it for weeks that we need to win the ball in the middle of the park we cannot keep collapsing look how high up Bentacor won that ball yeah, yeah, that yeah. For um, whose goal was it? Sons? Was it Sons' goal? Oh, yeah, it was Sons' goal. Yeah, yeah, he won. Yeah, high up for Sons. Well, it was in midfield. Yeah, and, rather than being under defence. And did yeah. he? No, no. And it was for his goal, right? He stripped. For his goal, when he was stripped Ndidi, he was um, just, I think, on the other side of the um, centre circle. Yeah, right. And we normally collapse back to the edge of the box. So for me, this is why I'm saying. We need to get more control of the ball. I understand the, the system and I understand that there are games where, you know, you know, the five at the back will suit us more. I, you know, I'm not against that and I'm not saying that I know more than Conte, but what I'm saying is what I can see is we need... We didn't get everything that we needed to play these win-back um, positions uh, consistently, effectively, every game. So when that's not totally working, let's win the ball in the middle of the park. And let's build from there. And that is what we've done. We literally overrun the middle of the park. We weren't outnumbered. And, mate, it worked wonders. And if we could change between those two systems, you know, on a whim, you know, I mean, obviously Conte is cool, but if we could change between those two systems um, and use deploy them when they're needed, I think we'll win a lot more games convincingly, you know, like definitely win a lot more games convincingly. Yeah, and I mean, we could go back to last week's pod just to listen to us discuss that very thing. Changing the shape where necessary to put three in there to dominate the midfield when required. But we're not going to do that. 
Instead, Lero, this is the moment you go back to the pod to find your validation and pat on the back for yourself for saying yes. Actually, let's just listen to it. Is it time to rest, Son? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. It's time to rest, rotate, Son. Yes. And if it's time to rest, Son, would you take the opportunity then to change the formation or would you just replace him with Klazeski? I mean... I'm guessing that, obviously, um, Conte is a well-versed man and he's, you know, he's trained the team in uh, many formations and systems of playing, you know. So it might be nice to look at a new formation, maybe give us some um, some different angles, something different to play for, you know, maybe a bit more pressing, you know, if we've got three in the middle of the park, um you know, a way to bed in Basuma as well um, with those two so he's not too lost. You know, maybe it might give him a chance to rest there and play the same formation, but put Kulu in, you know, and then bring Son on as a sub, impact sub. There you go. Bring on Son when they have tired legs and let him tear up the place. And oh boy, were you right. And oh my God, did Son just do that? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. We we needed that, man. It, it made sense, right? You you could... We're talking about playing people in, you know. I feel that we need to give Basuma that time to play him in, you know, like give him that time on the pitch. Whereas I think Son had that time and um, I think we needed to do exactly what we did and they're calling it a masterclass. And okay, it was, you know, but it worked. He's a dangerous player. He's dangerous at running in and kind of give him a bit more... Make it a bit more in Son's favour when things are not going well for him, you know? It's not going well for him. Players are tired, you know? He comes on and bang. Like, mate, I couldn't even think about those finishes, though. I know he's done them before, but right foot and left foot. Well, he literally, you've got the mirror goal that he scored against Leicester yeah. at that same end yeah. last season, was there for it. And was like, well, Leicester one last season was slightly better for me because it went slightly higher, more top bins. But, mate, both of those finished. I like the first one. Check back. And the whip, as as my little boy would say, the whip on it yeah. into the bins <laughs> was... It had so much whip that it doesn't even end up top bins. You realise yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It crept in. Because it had... Yeah. Yeah. Dip high. Yeah. Comes in. And it's by the time it hits the back of the net, it's not quite central, but it's definitely not top bins by the time it hits the back of the net. But um, it's such a great finish. And they say form is um, per temporary, class is permanent, and he is world-class. Yeah, yeah. And he showed it. He showed it. It wasn't like he had three tap-ins. No. But he put the made the game go get out of sight for us. And I think it was a combination of the three-man midfield, the combination of his hunger, his desire, um, the combination of them having weary legs. And let's not forget this point, the fact that they also didn't necessarily game plan for Son, right? It's easy to game plan for a starter, double up on him on the left, achieve success by doing it, have the impetus to continue to do it. By the time Son got into the game, it's, as they say in Spain, it was broken. 
Yeah. Right. The game's broken, and and they say that a lot about the Premier League, where it's up and down. So if you don't understand the concept of broken, it's where it's no longer a chess match. It's more back and forth, back and forth, which the Premier League is um, a lot of the time. But especially after sixty minutes, it becomes broken, and they were chasing it a little bit. Son's got more freedom, more space to run into, fresh legs, extremely rapid Sonic, and. Um, yeah, at that point, if you're trying a game plan and you're 3-2 down and double up on a player that's just come on the pitch, it doesn't often work. So I think, like you say, it's being written down as a masterclass, but I think um, Conte listens to this pod. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> on that point. But right. it was fantastic to see. Your boy, True Spurs, pointed it out. He also said your intro is fire. So, um, yeah, I think he's on the money there. Um, coming away from the game, uh, even before the game, um, your mate, Eric Dyer got called up to the England squad and he also capped the game with a thunderous header rising above all to dominate the skylines of North London to head us 2-1 ahead. And at that moment, there's only one person on the pod we thought of and, and that was you. What do you think this call-up means? Is it important? Yeah, I mean, mentally it's important. It's important for him. You know, it says that he's back at the top of his game and uh, I think it means that he will try um, and keep a level of consistency for Spurs and he should push through and push through a bit harder. Um, I can't remember. I didn't watch the goal back. I watched it in real time. I didn't watch it back. So I want to see how high he actually got off the floor. If someone put <laughs> someone put a step ladder there, or you know, but um, he's pretty high. To be fair to him, he, he is pretty high. Um, he wins it at the the height of his jump, jump, his leap. He actually has good movement because I think he starts on the near post, and as it's kicked, he comes away from the, off the near post, rises up, and actually twists his head to. I don't even think it's a glance head. I think it's a almost more a positioned header to the back stick, yeah. um, and. It's what you expect to see from your six foot two centre half, right? Um, and we haven't seen it often enough. Right. That's what I was going to uh, say. You know, yeah. he's a professional footballer, especially on the offensive header. You know, it's easier for you, right? It's not like, oh, if I don't win this header, it's a problem for us. It's like, yeah, you, you, you attack the ball with kind of... Figure. Yeah, and yeah. Nothing, nothing in the back of your mind, nothing negative. Oh, I just want to get there first to get a good connection. So it's always easier to win the offensive header, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to give him much for that, to be fair. I, I expect that of him. I just now need to see him winning those defensive headers. But I'm not taking anything away from the goal. It was a good goal. Yeah, so two goals this season for him in the Premier League in seven games. He had not scored, I think, in the last three seasons. And in his interview afterwards, he said that it's something he's been conscious of. He knows Conte wants more goals from him. And he said he's actually been working on it. And what that means exactly, I don't know. But I would imagine it's more attacking the ball, yeah, right? Yeah. Timing, um, because he did that well. And obviously, we know we're already working on free kicks and corners. And yet again, we've got a goal from a dead ball. And Davison Sanchez almost scored a goal from a dead ball as well. It was a great save by Ward. Um, Leicester fans will say probably his only save in the game. He's got a terrible record. But it was a good save. And we had a goal disallowed for, I don't know, a man can't stand next to a goalkeeper. Unbelievable. Crazy. 
it's lucky it didn't count because it's not it's, it's not a talking point this um, Monday morning. Um, so that's a good thing. But 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 I mean, Dyer. Oh. It's still probably not. I'm glad. I thought he was going to move away from him because there's. <laughs> no, I was going to say he's, he's not necessarily the most dominating centre back that we need. But if he's getting goals, it helps alleviate some of his failings, um, at least. Yeah, no, that that is true. I mean, I also like to point out if we're going to deal with his positives, uh, did he not do that whole uh, backing off hands behind his back thing again? Yeah, and and that is something that I don't know if we'll ever get away from. No, nah, he won't. Him. He won't. He's too old. Too old. And I think that's the way he believes he has to defend, and without having the instinct. And we've touched on this numerous times, so I'm not going to continue to beat the drum. But without having the instinct to know when to go to the ball, um, and make that block rather than sit off, then you you'll always be that. I kind of guess. So-so defender, never that dominant defender. Yeah, you get caught, um, get caught in no man's land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Romero got forward and should have scored, but it was offside. But at least he's driving forward and he probably needed that drop-in resting as well to show that he's not the guy that... He is the guy, but he is not undroppable as well. Mate, how did he miss that? Ow. I, d- I don't know. He saw he saw the headlines. He saw the glory. He was thinking about a celebration, but luckily for him, it was offside, so it won't be replayed too many times. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that, but it should have gone in the back of the net. And, uh, we we come off the sofa. We just fell off the sofa. <laughs> yeah. like, what is going on here? You know, like it was easier to score than miss. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, we move. Yeah, yeah. In one word, we touched on it in. I think the season opening pod, where we'd think we finish. Only one man said we'd finish first. I'm going to ask you this question. Yep. Are we title contenders? And I, before you answer that question, I'm going to give you this stat. 17 points, is that what we've got? Is the highest number of points we've recorded after seven games. Joint highest with our 16-17 season when we came second Chelsea in the title race. So, good start. Could mean good things. Are we serious title contenders? Um, I say if we win our next two games after the international break um, and and we start playing a bit better. You can't have two. You can't say one word answer and then give me two scenarios. Yeah, because they're, they're the two scenarios that are very <laughs> key to this. You know, like, okay, I get it. And I, I'm going to be honest with everyone because I, I know... It's like, it's hard to speak about us in a negative light when we're not doing everything correctly and still picking up points. And I get that. I just don't think it's sustainable. So the football level, the idea, and I get it, sometimes you need to play a couple of games to work out formation, what we're going to do this season. Because I know Conte started in his head and that five at the back was what he was doing. But we see at Chelsea... He had a definite plan and then at a key moment he changed it and it changed their whole season. So for me, I'm hoping this is a key moment and we run that system with the three in the middle for a few games, like definitely, you know, against teams that are gonna that want to dominate that midfield and when they do dominate that midfield things happen, you know. Um yeah, yeah, it's a hard one. I don't know. I don't know. Um are we going to win the league? Uh, yeah, I know. I'm two and I'm throwing. 
Um, all right, you know what? I'm not sure. That's how I'm going to end that. After all of that, <laughs> I'm not sure. All right, so I'm not going to let you say you don't know, Ooh. right? What we've got, what you've got to look at, you've got to take it on the fact that 17 points at seven games, we're hard to beat. Conte's a man who's been there, done it before. We have world-class players. We have some very good players. We have a system that doesn't quite please the eye and we'll get caught out on occasion. Um, but we are well-placed and we have the option of going free in midfield. So I'm going to pose the question to you again. Are we title contenders? Yes, if we could play a 90-minute match and many more 90-minute <laughs> matches. If we could play for 90 minutes, good for 90 minutes, I think we're in there with a shot. Okay, do you think our rivals down the road, we need to start taking them seriously? Yeah, I think we do. I think because, yes, we know they're going to get injuries. Yes, we know that, that you know, they, they have the, um, the ability to fall away, soft touch. And we know all of those things can happen. But I just think this is going to be the most topsy-turvy season you've ever seen. So, you know, if there's anyone that can win it and it's time to win it, you know, they can. You know, I, I just think, yeah, it's going to be so topsy-turvy. But with all of the uh, the actual, um, after the international break, with the amount of um, games, the calendar looks a bit crazy. So I'm expecting them to start buckling. But we still need to get our football together, man. Like, I, I, I'm not going to rely on them buckling over us getting our football together. I'd rather they don't buckle, but we get our football together. And I'd rather battle them that way than not get our football together and expect them to buckle and us just kind of stay in front of them that way. Nah, it don't work for me. I need to see a 90-minute match with football. Two systems, three systems that we can work from, interchange um, at the manager's call. And I want to see the players start taking an onus and understanding of the game and not, not looking to Conte to tell them where they need to kind of win this chess match within the system that he's given them. I think, I think the thing that's key there is the um, interchangeable systems. And I know a guy who I'm not allowed to mention um, on this pod when he was managing us, he tried to have a couple of interchangeable systems. And I think it was easy for him because he had somebody by the name of Christian Eriksen who was able to play left, right, cam, or drop into a two. Yeah. Um, to great effect than he's doing at Man United because he had more legs. Yeah. Right. But I think that was his, that was very fortunate. And then he had wing backs who could play as wing backs or could play as full backs. Yeah. And the DM often would be able to drop into a free in normal play as well when it was dire, even when Yama. So I think it's key. We may not have that flexibility, but we have the ability to change the shape. Yeah. And without going too much into it, and the reason I asked you about those lot down the road, because they're our next game, and it's a six-pointer. Whoever wins that goes top, right? Uh, at least until City play Man United. I don't know which game's first. But it's a crucial game, one that we need to win or draw. We don't really want to lose it. Losing it is not the end of the world, but yeah. that shouldn't come into the mindset. Yeah. Right? And I think going away there 
and again, we will touch on this, but I can see a world where a midfield trio of Hoybier, Bentecourt and Basuma isn't the worst thing in the world going to the Emirates. Do you know what? I think that's the best way of nullifying them. I'll be honest with you. And I think nullifying them and still being able to play our game. And for me, if we can nullify them, they haven't got much more. You know, as in, yes, Jesus is a footballing G at the moment. And it has been for a while, to be fair. But if that's the only threat that we have to contend with and we nullify them and control the ball at the Emirates, silence their crowd, mate, we're onto something. Definitely on I mean, I mean, it's silent most of the time, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll take it off a mute for us, definitely. <laughs> of course, 100%. They owe us one. So, yeah, so I think they're definitely in the race. I think we are in the race, and I think City may have pulled off the masterstroke of masterstrokes with the signing of Haaland. Not only is did we all know he's a great striker, um, not only... Is he just an, uh, a freak um, in terms of size, finesse, and speed and strength? He's not going to the World Cup. Well, oh, mate. So, so he's basically <laughs> going mean? to sit in the box until we get back. He's going to be preserved in whatever <laughs> preservation device yeah, they yeah, put him yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then he's going to score another 11 goals in seven games. Oh, scary. Everyone's flagging. Scary. That is genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary. So, yeah, they're the front runners without that. Um, them locked down the road may be top, but City are the front runners. They're the bookies' favourites. And with that little piece of business, having him not going to the World Cup, obviously they didn't engineer that, but it just fell in their favour. It could work out a dream. But we're still there. We have Conte. Um, we have Son back. So you got a smile, right? Because the sun always shines on the Shellside podcast. That's that's what Cardinal always says. Yep. Um, Lero, I think that's it for this week. Cool. You've been Lero. You've been fantastic as always. Any more predictions that we're gonna have to sound by and quote you on Twitter and stuff? Um, you gotta catch me. <laughs> you gotta catch me in the the rant at the moment because you know you just say what you truly see and feel. You know, I think. We've had a, a couple of days reflection. I've been up in Nottingham and, you know, it's just been a bit busy. We, we couldn't get it together before. And I think if we'd done it yesterday or uh, after the match, mate, they would have got it. But I think where we've had a, a bit of space for it, a bit more time to kind of think about it. Um, yeah, I don't think I've got anything more to say on it, to be fair. I will say, yes, I'm happy because um, it's a win, but I'm not happy... Um, We've only played in one half this um, season so far, and I am happy with the uh, formation change. So it's two pluses against one negative at the moment. So we'll keep it positive. Ninety minutes, Conte. You heard it here. We know you listen. Ninety minutes. I don't know if you're the new city. You haven't been to South Korea in that week, have you? No, that wasn't me. Uh, was it not? <laughs> it wasn't that was you. Was it? No, oh, was it me? Was it me? No, actually, we've got two new cities. Um, one Song Carl, I think. It's actually in Thailand. And this one, mate, I don't know how to pronounce this. Kwabna's going to have to help me with this. It's Ekuhulen. I'm going to spell it because I'm not even going to embarrass myself. Shout out to New City in South Africa. E-K-U-R-H-U-L-E-N-I. Apologies. I'm just not that well-traveled. 
we need Carl or Kovna. Yeah, or even do us a favour. Send us a, a voice note uh, through Twitter or I don't know if you can do it through Twitter because I don't really use it, but send us a voice note of how your city's um, actually um, pronounced. So just, yeah, just say it and we'll actually uh, clip it into the show. Furthermore, anyone and everyone, yeah, you know what? Send us voice notes or sound bites of, you know, my name is and we are listening from wherever and we'll clip them into the end of the show so it saves these guys embarrassing themselves and having that competition of who knows what, that, that, <laughs> that big old pissing contest. <laughs> and pissing on the flies and you can't even piss on the fly <laughs> in the urinal. <laughs> but no, brilliant. So guys, listen, we give you the best content. We give you predictions that actually come true. We give you tactical analysis that Conte uses, right? So as much as... Co- um, Kwabna will say Conte's forgotten more than he. we actually know. We do know some shit. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, listen to the other podcast. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you get predictions happening the very next game emphatically. I don't know if you get system changes happening so provocatively, excellently in the next game. I just put those two words together. They may not make sense, but I'm doing it. <laughs> but this is the Shelfside podcast, guys. So when you're on um, what's it called? Apple, iTunes. When you're on Spotify, when you're on these platforms, give us a five-star rating and a decent review, guys, because you know we deserve it. We go all out for you. We give you great content and banter. Even when Kwabner and Carl are flying around the country, we're still here giving you great quantity of banter and analysis. So you know what to do. Like and subscribe and all that good stuff. So, Lero, I've been Andrew, you've been Lero. Who are you going to get to run the outro this week? Carl, run the outro. I can't be without you.